To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his own blood and made us a kingdom and priest to God his Father. To him be glory and the power forever. Amen. Our text for our sermon is Luke chapter 10 verses 1 through 12 and 16 through 20. To remind you of our account, I will read the first verse. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. This is the gospel history of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, being raised in a Christian family, I can remember always saying that prayer in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come. And today's text certainly shows us one of the ways in which God's kingdom comes. But before I was a called worker, this text always baffled me. It seemed to be talking specifically to those whom God had called, for example, to be pastors, to be ministers in the kingdom, or to be evangelists. Never felt like this text applied to me as a layman who had a regular job and clocked in from nine to five. And so today, as we work through our text, we will answer the question, how do you help harvest for God's kingdom? Now, our text says, after these things, the Lord commissioned, that's appointed to a task, 72 others and sent them out two by two before his presence into every city and place where he himself was about to be entering. The thing is, brothers and sisters in Christ, is after these things, is after Jesus was resolute to head down to Jerusalem, it was after he'd already sent out the 12 disciples on a different mission. These people were temporarily sent out. As Jesus was heading down to Jerusalem, they were to prepare the cities he was about to enter. Brothers and sisters in Christ, these were people who at least temporarily had given up their time to follow Jesus, but they weren't necessarily like the apostles where they were meant to continue doing this until God called them home. Jesus called them to serve in a unique calling. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, you don't have to have a call from a congregation like you gave to me to serve you as your pastor to serve in your unique calling where God has placed you. Your calling as father or mother, aunt and uncle in your various vocations. You've heard me say it before and I'll say it again. As a pastor, normally When I get to teach somebody the word of God, even if they're new to the faith, God has already sent somebody else in their life to proclaim the word to them. If you want to talk about where the rubber hits the road the most in evangelism, I will tell you where I got to do the most evangelism to people who were new to Christ or had not yet heard the message was in my jobs, was when I worked in machine shops and places like that. Yes, brothers and sisters in Christ, we can ask the question, how do you help harvest for God's kingdom? By serving in your unique calling. Simply put, God has given you different roles in different positions, and you use your faith as God presents the opportunity to share the good news that Jesus Christ is come for us. But he says something else in verse 2. We're told, so he was saying to them, On the one side, the harvest is plentiful, but on the other side, the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest that he would send out workers into his harvest field. What's Jesus telling them? Pray. 
Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, the irony in all this is, and, and it's a, quite a lesson to see immediately in this text, they're to pray for people to go out and harvest, and yet they're already the answer to that prayer. Oh yes, we pray to send missionaries throughout the world, and, and our offerings help support that, but lots of times it never ceases to amaze me how that relative or that friend that I would pray that God would convert them that God had already been using me to answer that prayer. Again, we pray. So how do you help harvest for God's kingdom? You serve in your unique calling in the circumstances God has placed you, and you serve by prayer. Pray for those who aren't converted. Pray for those who serve as official called workers, but pray for those like yourselves that are daily in the grind supporting that kind of ministry as well. And we're told, after these things, the Lord commissioned 72 others and sent them out. God sent them out Himself. God sent them out to serve. And this was a temporary mission. Remember, they're to go to each town and prepare them as Christ comes to it. So He says in verse 3, get going, pay close attention. I'm sending you out as lambs in the middle of wolves. Now we call back at verse 1 that I just read, he sent them out in groups of two. See, in this world, you're either a lamb or you're a wolf. Wolves devour lambs, but wolves become lambs when lambs bleat with the voice of Jesus Christ. See, brothers and sisters in Christ, they were meant to serve with each other. Don't kid yourself, we serve with each other. We are not just the ministry of one pastor that we've called. If without your offerings, without your work, why, it wouldn't work, would it? We're in this together. So how do we help harvest in God's kingdom? We're serving with others. And he continues there, Do not carry a money bag, a travel bag, nor sandals, and don't greet anyone along the road. Now whatever house you may enter into, first say, Peace be to this house. And if there's a son of peace, then your peace will certainly remain upon him. Yet if it is otherwise, then your peace will certainly most come back to you. Now remain in that very same house, eating and drinking the things that come from their generosity. For the worker is worthy of his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Whatever city you may be entering into and they receive you, then eat whatever things they set before you. Now stop and think. They have to worry about, is this meat clean? Because of the ceremonial laws of cleanliness, Jesus says, let them support you. And they're not to bounce from house to house, because how does that look? It looks like while proclaiming the gospel, they would be trying to get the best deal for themselves. The whole point here is he sends these men out into 72 to prepare for his coming into those cities is... If you're going to proclaim the good news of the coming kingdom of God, it will support you. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, you maybe are not called to be full-time workers uh, to a congregation, but your offerings support that. And it's not just your offerings. You've heard me say it before, and it's, and it's one of my pet go-tos. When we come to church in the Wyoming winter and our, and our entryway is blown shut with snowdrifts and we can't get to our doors, we're not going to have church. We support the proclamation of the coming of the kingdom with more than just our money, don't we? We support it with our talents and with our work as well. 
So how do you help harvest in God's kingdom? By serving in your unique callings, by prayer, and serving with and supporting others. The rubber hits the road, brothers and sisters in Christ. Truly, when we serve in God's kingdom, it's by using the keys. The keys that bind and loose sin. In other words, we use the law, which condemns people and shows them they need to be saved. And we use the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ has lived perfectly in our place. He's died in our place and has washed our sins away. So we serve, whether we're officially called by a congregation or in our regular daily lives, by using the keys, as Jesus has given them to each one of us. And so we're told in verse 5, Now whatever house you may enter into, first say, Peace be to this house. And if there is a son of peace, then your peace will most certainly remain upon him. This is God's peace. The son of peace would be somebody that God has every intention of bringing into his kingdom, or they already are in his kingdom. And so they would know that God is no longer their enemy. God is their brother who took on human flesh to make them prince and princesses in, the, in his kingdom. God is not the angry dad who's there to punch them in the face. He's their loving father who's there to give them eternity in his kingdom, the invisible church. And so they would proclaim the peace that we have by, uh, by the work even of the Holy Spirit who gives us faith to see that peace. And if the person was a believer or would become a believer, they would truly get to receive that peace. They would feast upon them and they would be grateful for it. But again, those who would reject that peace, then that would return to the people. Go on to the next house and share that peace with somebody else. The binding key would be used. And so in verse 9 he tells them, Heal the sick who are in it, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near upon you. Yet whatever city you may be entering into, and they do not receive you, then go out to its main streets and say, Even the dust from your city that has clung onto our feet, we are wiping off against you. Nevertheless, know that the kingdom of God has come near to you. I'm telling you that it will be more tolerable for Sodom in those days than for that city. When you tell somebody that they need a Savior and that God is their Savior, that He took on human flesh, the kingdom of God is knocking on their heart's door. It has come near to them. When God's Holy Spirit works to enter their heart, He puts them right into that kingdom. That is the loosing key. But for those who reject it, it will be even worse for them than it was for Sodom. Let's admit it. Lot was a believer, but he was not the most outstanding example of faith. Sodom at least had a preacher of righteousness in it. But for these people, these cities rejecting the, the men Jesus had sent out, they had just been told the Savior is coming. And if they were rejected, they were rejecting the Savior. On Judgment Day, whichever came first, their death, which would be their Judgment Day, or Christ, when they, uh, when they stood before Christ's judgment throne, the answer for them would be, I know you had an opportunity to know me as your Savior, and you didn't care, or you rejected it for your own righteousness. So again, for those who would receive it, the good news of salvation in Christ, and the good news of salvation in Christ would be proclaimed even to those who rejected it, but they would end with the law message. I'm shaking the dust off my feet against your city. You've rejected this, and there's a testimony that you had a chance to hear it, and you didn't want it. 
And so in verse 16, Jesus says, The one who keeps on listening to you keeps on listening to me. And what is more, the one who keeps on disregarding you keeps disregarding me. Yet the one who keeps disregarding me keeps disregarding the one who sent me. You are merely the mouthpiece. When you speak, when you use the keys, what Jesus is telling you here is, you don't have to worry about it sticking. You don't have to worry about the presentation being pretty enough or psychologically or logically convincing enough. That's the Holy Spirit's work. When they listen to you, it's because Jesus is using you They are hearing the voice of Jesus. The power you have with those keys is amazing because it's not your power. It's the power of the triune God. And if they are rejecting Jesus who is using you as His mouthpiece, they are rejecting God the Father. There's no way to God the Father without the blood of the Lamb being poured upon you. And we're told, then the 72 returned with joy and kept saying, Oh Lord, even the demons are being forced to submit to us in your name. It was the power of Christ's name that did this. Why? Because Christ's name represents everything he does. Christ, anointed to be Savior. Jesus, from the Hebrew word meaning Savior, emphasizing God has taken on human flesh to save us. It wasn't by their power. It wasn't by their cleverness. And believe me, if I ever had to go to battle with the demon, it would scare me. But I have the word of God as you do. I have the name of Christ as you do. And they have to submit to that. So how do you help harvest for God's kingdom? You serve by using the keys. The power is not yours. You don't have to worry about having the prettiest language. All the power is in our triune God who's using you as his mouthpiece. So we're told in verse 18, Then he said to them, I was seeing Satan fall like lightning from the sky. Pay close attention. I've given you authority to trample over serpents and scorpions and upon all the power of the enemy, and nothing will ever hurt you. The Greek uses a double negative. Not one thing will never, ever hurt you. It's really emphasizing it. What about Christians who have marched into communities or come into communities where there are militant religions or sadly Christians who've gotten confused and became militant against Christians who were teaching the truth such as the Inquisition? Don't Christians lose their lives? No. We might lose our physical life, but you are eternally alive in God. And so he's saying... I've got you safe in my hands as I give you the opportunities to use my keys. And the use of the keys is properly using his word, which is law and gospel. Now, many Christians get confused in this text. And there are even kind of cultic-like Christians who think we can handle scorpions and serpents. And if they bite us and we die, then it proves that we don't have faith. That's not what he's saying here. Treading on them. Last fall, we found a black widow spider in the basement. Those things are poisonous. Reached out with my shoe. Whack! That thing ain't no longer dangerous to me or my family. See, that's the power of the Word of God. Even the demons, who are way more powerful than you and I, can be squashed like poisonous bugs. Because you have the Word. So you serve by knowing the power is in the Word... 
Not in yourself. And that's one of the many reasons why Jesus said, I was seeing Satan fall like lightning from the sky. Lightning falls from the sky, out of the clouds, not from heaven. See, the devil has set himself up to make us think that he is in control of this world. And Jesus even refers to him as the king of this world. But you see, he truly cannot rule over this world the way God does. When he told Jesus, when he tempted him, bow and pray to me and I will give you all these kingdoms, they weren't the devil's kingdoms to give. But he does rule because unless we are believers, we are slaves to the devil. But you see, Jesus saw him falling. Now the big thing that causes his fall is the cross, is Christ's death and resurrection. The devil runs up there, I've got this person's sin. And God says, all I see is the blood of my son. But every time you share the good news of forgiveness, every time you tell a brother or sister in Christ that Jesus has removed their sin, you're using the loosing key and Satan falls like lightning. His rule in their heart is gone. And so how do you help harvest for God's kingdom? You serve knowing the power is in God's word, not in yourself. And lastly, we're told in verse 20, Nevertheless, do not continue rejoicing in this, that the spirits are being forced to submit to you. Yet start and do not stop rejoicing that your names have been written in the heavens. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the real reason why we serve is because we have a tremendous joy. We know that all eternity is ours. If your name is written in the heavens, then it is written before the throne of God and He is ruling to keep you in that salvation. You share the good news of salvation in Christ with others because you want them to have the joy of having their name written in the heavens. And if your name is written in the heavens, not only does that mean something for you now, that God is your heavenly Father now, that God is your brother now, that God the Holy Spirit is living in your heart now, that all three are working to keep you in heaven now, but you also know you'll get the new and glorified body. You'll get the new heavens and the new earth. So you serve knowing your true joy the eternal life in the kingdom you belong to, the invisible church. God's kingdom is His rule in your hearts. How do you help harvest for God's kingdom? By serving in your unique calling through prayer, serving at, with and supporting others, serving by using the keys, as serving knowing the power is in the Word, not yourself, and serving knowing your true joy. Let me wrap up today's sermon out of Luther's Catechism, where on the second petition of the Lord's Prayer, we pray, Thy kingdom come. Luther asked, What does this mean? The kingdom of God certainly comes of itself without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that it may come to us also. How does God's kingdom come? The kingdom of God comes when our Heavenly Father gives us His Holy Spirit, so that by His grace we believe His Holy Word and live godly lives here in time and hereafter in eternity. Amen. Now may the God of hope fill you with complete joy and peace as you continue to believe so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.